Hi everybody, welcome to Busy Living Sober, Busy Living Sober, Busy Living Sober, episode 153, holy shit. Hey James, what's up? Hello, nothing much, what's up? What's up? I'm so glad to have you here, this is awesome. She's nervous, I can tell you just got really nervous. It's just me, we're just in front of a computer, it's totally not supposed to be stressful, it's supposed to be fun. Yeah. I'm really excited about having Jamie on because Jamie has so much wisdom in her time and Jamie has a different, um, you know, it's fun because I've had people on that drug of ch- number one drug of choice is alcohol. I've had people on that's n- number one drug of choice was food and you, I'm very excited to have you on because for one, Jamie's been off of weed for how many days now? 98. 98 days, almost a hundred days mm-hmm. off of weed. And <laughs> with weed being such a big part of our society today, right? Mm-hmm. People are like, well, weed isn't addictive and weed isn't that. Mm-hmm. And weed, and I know you have a different feeling on that. And I just would love, first off, will you tell us um, a little bit about yourself and give us a little bit of your experience, strength, and hope? Uh, yeah. So I, I was introduced to recovery um, at a really young age. Uh, I, this is a family disease. So it was, you know, I was born this way. Um, and uh, I would say that I started really trying to clean up my act five years ago. And um, it's been it's been a journey. It's been a journey. I went from just trying to stay away from alcohol, and that didn't really work. And uh, I guess I wanted a different way of life. So, oh, I'm like nervous. <laughs> I'm like such a jabbermouth, but I um I. I come from a really messed up background and I never, ever want to feel, I always want to run away. Um, I, I talk a big game, but, uh, then I seem to, when, when things hit the fan, I want, I want to find something easy and I, I want to escape. And so I guess here I am, 98 days with no weed, sitting across from you. <laughs> and you start, and when you, so how old were you when you started smoking weed? Oh, God, I was 12 years old. I was 12 years old. I actually haven't had 98 days since uh, summer camp. I think I was gone one whole summer and I came back. I don't even think I had 98 days then because that's like, what, two months? Yeah. Two months away in summer camp. I'm from New York City, uh, grew up in Manhattan, and, you know, it was just party, party, party from the get-go. So yeah, I I would say that I haven't really had this amount of clean time since, you know, yeah, since about 12 years old. And so since 12 years old, and then you were, and weed was like just a part of your, and even though it was illegal and, but it was a part of the, like, where did you get it? How did you find it? Like, tell us that. <laughs> well, at 12 years old. <laughs> Well, my dad's a hippie. He went to Woodstock. He is a big, big hippie dude. And it was kind of part of part of my culture growing up. I mean, my dad used to roll uh, joints when I was a little kid. And I'll never forget, I was about probably six years old and he's rolling up a joint. And I was like, what are you doing? He's like, daddy's rolling up his cigarettes, you know, no big deal, la la la. And it was just such an easy part of my life. It was very accepted in the household. It was just, it was part of um, my culture, because it's part of my father's culture to this day. Um, 
I blamed him a lot and I thought he was one of us, but really it turns out that he's, he's not, he's just who he is. And that's, that's, that was a big hurdle to get over, you know, just accepting that. And so getting to like, so it was like everybody, like some Italian people eat pasta every week. Your whole thing was like, <laughs> everybody smoke pot. Yeah. <laughs> smoke pot. And it was, and, and you didn't have any, and it was not a big, was it ever an issue? No, and, I mean, you know, Look, I, I'm an alcoholic and um, defiant, and I want what I want when I want it, and I was a little brat. You know, even though I had what I had, I was still, like, I, I realize now I was very much a little brat. So let's just, you know, I would get weed. I mean, I could walk to a bodega about 10 blocks from my house and, and get weed. That was super easy. Um, and then when, when I maybe probably about 15 or so, I was a latchkey kid. I guess that means, you know, back in the day, latchkey kids. My dad worked full time. He was a single father. And when I'd get home from school, I'd beep him. Like a beeper is a thing you call and it beeps. And then they call you back. It was before cell phones. And um, he'd call me back as everything I'd go, okay. And I'd be like, okay, where's the weed? And he'd be like, Jamie, Jamie, you know, I can't, I can't give it. I Come on. And I'd be like, dad, if you don't tell me where your weed is, I'm calling child services. <laughs> and so he would tell me where the weed was. And so then it just, once I got past that, you know, hit the enabling father, it was just like in the top drawer and I'd get home from school. I'd pack myself a bowl, smoke up, watch MTV and chill. You know, sometimes I do my homework. Sometimes I didn't. And I just kind of coasted through life. And yeah, that's kind of how it went. And so, and you went to, and you graduated from high school and then you always, and you've always been artistic and I didn't throw mm-hmm. in there. She's also a hairdresser, which is yes. very cool. Um, I, I, I graduated school by the skin of my teeth. Actually, I ended up getting kicked out of high school. Um, I, I guess I'm naturally smart. So it was very easy for me to breeze through, but high school, I really kicked off with more than just weed. Um, I was too ashamed. I was too filled with shame and and I was really afraid of rejection that um, I didn't really pick up alcohol until I could legally drink, but I would. There would be 40s involved. Like if there were house parties, I would get drunk, but um, I blacked out from the get-go. So I, I was a violent drunk from the get-go. I was fist fighting whenever I drank like 16, you know, so I kind of stayed away from that. But um I I became a truant because I decided instead of going to class, you know, in in, in New York City, you would take public transportation to school. So we would all meet up outside of school. And I went to school right near uh, Central Park. And we would just do do a little U-turn. We'd walk into school like we were going in, but then we'd like walk right back out the exit. So we'd go in the entrance, out the exit, and then go and smoke weed in Central Park. So my dad got a letter from school saying, hey, she's a truant. She's not going. And uh, I was institutionalized, and then I went to a residential school for about three years, and that taught me how to really do it right because you know it was it was it was like a a school with a bunch of wayward kids and very little supervision. Um, but yeah, so I did graduate high school. I did. Uh, I had it was it was a struggle, but I made it through, and um, then I went straight to beauty school. Straight to beauty school. And would you say that marijuana, because a lot of people say that it's a gateway drug and some people are like, no, it's natural. I mean, what are your thoughts on that and being a gateway drug? I remember Hadley was once, my daughter was once getting her teeth cleaned, right? And I had a young 
dentist that was working who was actually from Israel. And he was like talking about weed and he's like, oh my God, marijuana, it's a gateway drug. Don't you ever smoke pot? And my daughter was like literally in elementary school, I think then. Do you believe that it's a gateway drug? Well, I think everybody's journey is different. So I can't really speak for anybody else's journey on it being a gateway. Um, I, I guess I've always had an innate will to be alive. Um, I didn't ever really, you know, I, I, there was always this something inside of me that did have love there. Um, now I realize that was God, but, um, it, for me, it wasn't a gateway. It was the easy way. It was just the path of least resistance for me to not feel, but yet not die. You know, um, I, I know that it, it, science is showing that it helps with people with seizures. Like there's some really good things that THC can do. Mostly it's CBD though. CBD, which doesn't get you high, is what really helps people. Um, but I do recognize that there are medicinal values to it. However, for me now, um, it six of one, half a dozen of another. Like a drug is a drug is a drug. And you know, it, it dulled me, it dulled me. And it took all this time. I'm 37 years old. I mean, I've been smoking weed for a long time. I've, I'm a pothead. Well, not anymore, but I, I can live my life fine. I could have had that status quo, but, um, you know, it really depends on what we want out of life. Do you want to just kind of be on that middle of the line dimmer, like thinking of it like one of those light dimmers, you know, in a bedroom? Do you want to always just keep it right in the middle so it kind of is like just that chill vibe? Fine. But I really, I wanted a bright light. I wanted to get all that dust and cobwebs out. You can't really see all that stuff when when it's just half dim. Everything looks all right. Everything looks just fine when you're high. You know, it's easy. Everything's easy breezy. And it got me through a lot of trauma, you know, but it didn't get me as far as I needed to go. So I think that some people, if that's what they want to do, that's fine. But if you really want to be high on life, you know, get clean. And so giving it up, I know it was a process, right? It wasn't like, I mean, I don't think you did it cold turkey, did you? Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't no, like you went home one no. day and threw away all your things. Well, no, I did, but not, but not, yeah, no, no, I did. So it was a process and you were clean. You've been clean from alcohol for almost, I think, I think I'm at like now 680 days, like May 1st, 2018 is my uh, sobriety date from alcohol. So in May, you'll have uh, two years clean and sober from alcohol. Yes. And so you're at a year and a half and you're like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this and I'm kind of half-assing it, right? Mm -hmm. So it's you can't be half pregnant, right? You can't no. be half sober. No. So you were going and you participated in meetings and I know that. And you were a big, and uh, Jamie is, is brilliant and wise and she brings a light, as most artists are, because I believe that hairdressers are artists and you are an artist. And she has this light to her. And I know that you would come into the rooms and you were a, and you were a bright light. But it's the same point you were at the, at the dimmer. And what made it, like, what would you say the journey was like to get off weed after you, because if somebody's out there and they're like, well, you know, it's, 
if I go to a 12-step meeting, it's Alcoholics Anonymous. It's not Weed Anonymous. I literally had a friend that would say that to me that I thought was so rude. She's like, I've been smoking weed. That's totally fine. And I get that if somebody wants to do it, great, go there. But I'm just trying to ex- share your experience, right, yeah. and hope of what it was like. So you've been going to meetings for two, a year and a half at this point, and you're like, okay, I'm. T- nobody really knew, I don't think. Or some people knew, but... Some people knew, um, but even before then, we'll say I, I went to, you know, here in South Florida, there's a really tight, tight group of uh, alcoholics, you know, in the program. And my first meeting was five years ago. And I mean, I was looking at my chips. I have white ones, green ones, yellow ones. You know, I got six months here, 30 days there, 90 days. Um, and I was struggling with that. It was a lot of, you know, getting deep, like my codependency. And I was in relationship that really wasn't working out, but I was holding on to it. And that's diving deep in that layer of like attachment and needing to fill this God-sized hole in me with something else. And I was using people and alcohol, but um, it was really hard. It took me this long, May 1st, I I gave up and I, I said, I can't do this anymore from alcohol. And again, this is just my story is that I've always been into spirituality. I've always been into yoga. I've always been into different religions. Um, I love theology. I love studying, you know, what God is to different groups of people. So I found yoga and I found meditation and I was trying to find all the loopholes in the world so that I could still smoke weed. (laughs) I Googled um, enlightenment. (laughs) Can you get enlightenment and be high. And this yogi was like, you know, no. And and I then I Googled another guy, no. And then I Googled more, I Googled more. And I started doing more and more research and reading books. And the truth of the matter is, is that these people, you know, really highly spiritual people don't even eat meat. They don't even eat animal products. You know, they're vegans. They don't smoke weed. And I wanted so bad to have this level of spirituality at some capacity. I just, it got too great. People knew in the rooms that like, there were people that knew because they knew and people that knew because I told them. I was even sponsoring people. I even have a sponsee that's been through it with me. And actually she, um, when I gave it up, she was smoking weed and she gave it up. And we both have the same amount of sober time now. And it's like miraculous, you know? because she also realized she's like this isn't serving me it's 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 a habit it was a habit a way of being kind of just in that dim place of where you could take it or leave it you know I don't know what it is for her but I know for me it was um it I was using it as a like anti I was someone once said Jamie use that stuff like it's Prozac like that was my excuse but um you know being in in the rooms and still smoking weed I still had that little bit of shame because the truth is, is that I will take anything and have it as shame. You know, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a drug addict. So no matter what, if there's something that I, that my ego can latch onto and tell me that I'm not good enough, it will do that. My ego will be like, oh, well you smoke weed. So you can't really connect with these people. And one of my biggest troubles was connecting with women and the women that I like, looked up to and wanted to emulate were not smoking weed. And the women that were in this great bond with one another and having a good time, I knew I couldn't come to them smoking weed. I knew I couldn't, they knew, 
You know, I couldn't connect with people. You know, I was able to connect with a few people that accepted me no matter what, and they knew my truth, but that just wasn't enough. You know, I was limiting myself and I was limiting myself. That's like ego. My ego was keeping me half in. And really what ended up happening 98 days ago, well, right before 98 days ago, was I, the pain got so great. I wasn't forming relationships. I got really, really, really lonely. I started, you know, looking at my life in morbid reflection and I came really close to drinking. Like I was actually going to drink. And, uh, you know, I know I've heard this in other stories and, you know, listening speaker, speaker meetings, listen to them. They're, they're just amazing. YouTube has a bunch of them go to speaker meetings, but you hear this is that there's that point that you're going to drink or you, you maybe you want to, and you're like, you know what, screw this. Like I'm going to go drink. And God stepped in, in a way, there's no other way I could explain it. I got on my phone and I walked out of the salon and I called up somebody from uh, ACA, Adult Children of Alcoholics, a friend of mine who's not, she drinks, but she's in that program. And I was like, I'm not going to tell any of my AA friends because they're going to stop me, but I'm going to drink. No sooner did I say that than a woman that is on a whole other part of town that never comes to this neighborhood just so happens to be taking an exercise class like in the little store in the little place right next to my salon is like Jamie hi like she just like popped out I looked up at the sky I was like really so I can't drink is that what's happening right now okay and you know that moment as it might not seem big to everyone but to me that was, I felt God throughout my whole body. And just like when I stopped drinking and I, I decided to really give it up, that voice was like, you got to stop. And I did. It happened again. It was like, it's over. It's over. You're done. You're done with everything. You, you've got to get clean now. And that weekend I pot packed up my box and here I am now I'm like a 37 year old pothead with money. So like this is like a, a big daddy box of paraphernalia. <laughs> like that's like a $3,000 box of like beautiful, beautiful things. And I packed it up as per my sponsor and, and I gave it to a little young hairdresser and he looked at me like, are you, you're not going to sell this stuff? And I was like, no, I'm not selling it. You Here, just take this, get away, go leave now. And, and that was it. It was like, I, and, and I tell you, I've, I can't even, I can't even believe that I'm saying that I don't even look back. I mean, there are times I'll be walking my dog and I'll smell it and I'm like, oh, that's some good shit right there, you know, but now attached to that is a whole nother mess of feelings. It's not like, oh, let's go smoke weed, order delivery dudes and binge watch TV and it's the day off and I've ensured my right to use whatever the hell I want and do whatever I want. Now it's like anxiety, falling behind. My house is so clean. I'm, I'm on this amazing yogic path. Like my body is responding in ways it never responded. I'm in a beautiful relationship with a great guy. Like there's so many good things. It's like the anxiety of that comes up just like it does with drinking. I don't know about anyone else, but when it's time to drink, you're like, you know, when you, when you think, oh, I'm going to have a drink, you're like, you know, remember your last drunk. You're like, you know what? Never mind. And that's kind of the same thing that's happening. And it's been totally organic. I, it, it just was my time. I just, I guess I have smart feet. So I've been doing the deal, doing what I was supposed to do and things have just been removed.
It's just happening. It's amazing. I mean, your life is, and because I, I'm so lucky that I've been privileged to be able to watch you and grow. It's just amazing because your life, I mean, you get up at six o'clock in the morning and she goes even on cloudy days and does this yoga on this pier. And she's only, there's only a couple of them there, but she goes in Fort Lauderdale and sits in, and with her friend and she has this lovely relationship and she has this dog and her life is just beyond her wildest dreams in so many ways. But you, and, but getting to this place, it took time and you know, there's people judge you, but you didn't even, it was like, whatever you did what you were going to do. And that's what I love about you. And you keep coming back and it doesn't matter what other people think of none of our freaking business. And you kept going. And now you have this life. And so I want to get, what are your, what are your thoughts about legalizing marijuana? What do you think about that? Oh God. I, I feel like such a Benedict Arnold, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't think it's funny because I used to think, oh good, everybody's going to get awakened or awoken, whatever. I, I now feel like what's going to happen is if this goes legal, like there's going to be a lot of brilliant souls that are going to be dimmed. There's going to be a lot of young people that could maybe, um, you know, it would have been harder for them and maybe they're going to, their lights are going to be dimmed a little. I don't, I don't really have a standpoint on what should be legal or what shouldn't. That's not my place to say, but um, I think that there definitely needs to be more education on what it does and um, the effects of it used recreationally and what really the meaning is of using weed medicinally and using it recreationally. And, uh, you know, that's really, that's really my standpoint on it, you know, is, is I don't, I can't say things should be illegal or not. My opinion is really neutral on it, but if anyone wanted to know what, um, you know, wanted to learn more about my experience with it. And, and I have a lot of experience, you know, I, if you would have asked me five years ago, if you would have asked me six months ago, Jamie, are you going to stop smoking weed? I would have been like, no, no, there's no reason for me not to life's all right. You know? So I, it's, it's really a, this is a personal thing. Like you said, I didn't care what other people said, said I justified it. Um, you know, but really to thine own self be true. And when, when you're, when we figure out in our ego, like when you start getting more educated, then your spirit follows. That's what I think. My spirit followed all the knowledge that I was gaining and I'm a seeker. So I needed to know everything and it really boiled down to being super simple. So I think that if people, you know, if if they want to legalize it, that's fine. Hopefully there's going to be people that spend a lot of time in a dim light and then go, wait a minute, this is some bullshit. I want to get bright again. And then they come around and maybe it's a good way to show, you know, maybe this is like God's plan to like spread recovery and, and good living and God, God living. You know, who knows? Who knows what will happen? It's amazing because I can tell you my uh, children of mine, and I'm not going to name which ones, have smoked weed before, you know, and their grades would go down substantially. And they'd be like, Mom, oh, my gosh, my grades are just really slipping. And I'm like, well, look at it. It's dope, right? It's dope. And it does. It hinders you from the sunlight of the spirit, right? So it's just like, ah. Now, if somebody's out there and they're like, okay, how did you do it? Because, it, again, so was it cold turkey? Was it just like you got no. up one day? I mean, so tell them how to do it. Like, how do... Well, like if no, we it to, was cold turkey. It was but cold turkey. But it was, it was a lot of pain, just like all of our recoveries. I mean, how did all of us get sober? I don't think it was any different for me than not drinking. It's just 
I guess um, the effect that marijuana has on us is it or on me is that it chilled me out. I mean, I'm a really hyperactive person and I suffer from a lot of trauma, childhood trauma since infancy. Like I, I was a child that was abused bad. You know, I was messed up and messed with. I was mm-hmm. unsafe at a very, very young age. And although I held on to that as a crutch for me to use, an excuse for me to drink, um, there was trauma involved that was actually like in my cells. It was on a cellular level. So I, I believe that I needed to use the way that I did for as long as I did until I got better to some capacity. Once I got better to some capacity, once I, I mean, therapy did a lot of that. I w- I've been in therapy now like for PTSD, complex PTSD. For about a year and a half, I did serious trauma work Um, bodily trauma work. And I think that that really was part of how I was able to do it. Because when I stopped, I stopped. I haven't picked up since. And that's what I mean. Like, it wasn't like I was like, I'm going to smoke a little. I'm going to smoke a little. Like, I was smoking an ounce a week, like maybe more, up until I stopped smoking weed. You know, there was no, I threw out like five cartridges. Well, I gave them to that kid. Like, I gave weed away. It's like, I, I still smoke cigarettes. I want to stop, but I'm figuring that that's what's going to happen. I'm going to throw the pack away and be done, you know? But I think mentally, yeah, I mentally it was gnawing at me, gnawing at me for months. I got to stop. I got to stop. When is it going to happen? When it was going to happen? And I, I honestly, as as silly as it sounds, it was being rejected. It was being rejected by like, a, I was trying to date. I was trying to date and that's really, I mean, as silly, I don't think it sounds silly, but I was trying to date and like, my dad is a single man. I love my dad. I love my father. He's awesome. He, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. He literally saved my life. However, my father is single. He lives in a one bedroom. He chills. He's happy with his life. But I started seeing, I'm like, I'm going to be my dad. I'm going to be listening to my music smoking my weed on the patio, you know, it, not with my beer because I'm an alcoholic and I can't, I can't, once I start, I can't stop, but I could smoke weed and not die from that. So I'm just going to like settle for that. And I was just like, I'm going to settle. And really my spirit, I'm not going to settle. I can't settle. So it, I did go cold Turkey, but I guess I was mentally like the pain got so strong, just like with, when, with alcohol, the pain got too great. I knew what I needed to do. You can't, it's just like they say, you can't be in, you can't uh, be an alcoholic and drink with a, a, what is it? A head full of AA and a A belly full full of booze. booze. Mm -hmm. And, and you, you know, you can't be in AA and want this hundred percent sobriety. I would see people in there. I am so clean, like talking about their clean life, women, my age. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not. And I knew I'm not. And I tried to be like, yeah, like you say, I'm in meetings and I share and, I have a lot of good wisdom from my path and what I've been through, but I wasn't 100% sober and that's what I wanted. So it just, that's how it happened. And it's willing. And so somebody's out there and they really want to learn more about what Jamie's talking about and wants more information. You can reach me at busy, B-I-Z-Z-Y at busylivingsober.com and that's B-U-S-Y. And, um... You know, you have fun now. Because somebody reached out to me, this Jim R. reached out to me this week, and he goes, how do you have fun when you're sober? Where do you find stuff to do? I mean, what would you say to Jim R.? 
Oh my gosh, there's always tons of things to do. I think that when I wake up in the morning now, I just am automatically in a positive mood and I'm having fun. But uh, what kind of things do I do to have fun? Um, I've built a nice little network of my friends and my hobbies in doing yoga. Uh, I'm able to really do anything anybody else does, like anything, you know. But I I really have to say I'm not a big... um, social butterfly. I'm kind of like, I I float through the world. I'm not like finding activities. I'm not on the kickball team. You know, it's not my deal. Like I'm not like young professionals. Let's all hang out and schmooze. Like that's just not me. But um, I'm having so much more fun in everything I do. I think I told you the other day, I'm like, I'm not a TV person. I used to think I was like this big TV person. Let's just binge watch, binge watch. I can't even watch TV anymore. I'm like, Always, I'm a gardener, so I, I'm always in my garden walking my dog. Um, everywhere I go, I'm, I'm always making conversation and talking to people. I think just being connected is how I have fun. Just being connected. You have such a beautiful journey. <laughs> I love everything you said. Will you come back when you have like six months and will you come sure. back on? I'm sure really, I, I would that. really love that. I would love really that. love that. And I think everybody <laughs> else would too because I think that this yeah. journey that we have – I love that you said that this has been, it's your journey and you've been walking through it and it really, it, it, you just keep doing it one day at a time. And the more you walk, more is revealed. And that's what you've done. And m- people might be like, oh, well, she should have done that. But you did it when you were supposed to do it. Like God has a plan if we really believe that truthfully, which I do. And I see you and you're an example of that. It was like when it was time. Nobody else could shove it in and make <laughs> it happen. No. And I think that that's sometimes what happens with recovery. People People want it for somebody else so badly, but until the person comes and is willing themselves and really want it, it's just fake, right? Yeah. I had some really, there were people that, you know, amazing people in the program that, that did accept me exactly for who I was. Um, you know, my first sponsor is a cross country truck driver, Vietnam war vet. This man loved me till I could start loving myself. And, and he took me through the steps regardless of what was going on, because he knew that I just needed to hear this. I needed that. And I never gave up on myself. And for anyone who's listening, for the people who are listening, um, if you're smoking weed like how I was, you know, just keep coming. I, I kept coming. I didn't care. I didn't care. I just knew that there was something there. Um, God had my back and just listening to some of them, and even there's like some of the crazy people in there, they're like, I have God, God loves me. And, and I knew it was drilled into my brain from that man that I was already forgiven and already accepted without doing anything. And I was infinitely loved. And with those three things, nothing else mattered. I just kept coming, I just kept coming. So it happened when it happened, but it wouldn't have happened if I just didn't keep coming. And there were times I was like, whatever, these people don't even like me. Why do I even do this? And then I'd find myself at the eight o'clock meeting, you know, (laughs) whatever, you know, but it's, it's just, it's what it has to be as long as we just show up and know that there is a plan and that you are forgiven and you are loved without even doing a damn thing. Just by being on this earth with your feet on the ground or your hands on the ground, or lying on the ground, or being in a bed, or whatever you are, you're loved, you're, wa- you're wanted, you're wanted. I love that, Jamie. 
I love you. You're the best. Thank you, you so much you for coming so on. Much. This was so awesome. <laughs> All right, everybody. Until next week, um, Jamie will be back again when she has six months. And again, reach out with any questions. And until next week, keep getting busy living sober. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.